Welcome to Probably Bothered, the podcast that cuts through online business myths so that you can redefine your version of success. Because I believe if you aren't a little bit bothered, you probably aren't paying attention. We all know that words can hurt, but sometimes it's not just because we hurl insults. There is a a whole study of marketing and the words that we use in this space and how they can negatively impact people from sales psychology to emotional manipulation. I hate to use that word, but it's kind of true. So today's guest, Yuval Ackerman, is an ethical copywriter, and we have such a great conversation. I can't wait to get into it, so I'm just going to stop talking and roll the episode. I've been doing a lot of research and a lot of thinking lately about this idea of copywriting and how we have as an industry kind of taken on a lot of things that might not be so positive in the copywriting space. And that involves everything from our websites to social media and basically how we present ourselves to the world and how we talk to clients. So I'm really excited today because I have a guest Yuval Ackerman on the show and she is an ethical copywriter. So Yuval, welcome to Probably Bothered. Hey Becca, I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. I'm glad that you're here. And I know that we're going to have a lot to talk about. So I would love to just jump right into this concept of ethical copywriting. How did you get here and how did you kind of figure out that that was your niche and your approach that you wanted to take to copywriting? I love this question because um, it gives me the opportunity to ponder on my past in a constructive way, which I think is something that not everyone is doing and not it's it's very hard to do that. Um, I would I would trace it back to uh, my time as a journalist. Um, So I grew up I was born and raised in Israel. And once you finished once you finish high school in Israel, you must enroll to the army. And I was both uh, fortunate enough and unfortunate uh, to get enrolled to the army's national radio station, which is mostly civilian. Um, but there are soldiers being reporters and editors in this radio station. And it has a massive reach. It has maybe like 50% reach daily. So it's massive and it's a lot of responsibility on your very tiny young shoulders. And I've done three years of that and I was a reporter and I was a news editor. And during that time, I encountered a lot of things and stories that I had to report on and things that I had to do, but they didn't really align with who I was, who I am and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to approach things. And so When I finished that time as a journalist, I basically had a complete writing hiatus. I didn't want to do anything with writing and I kind of wanted to get rid of this entire icky feeling that I associated with writing. And so I took a very long hiatus, maybe of seven years, I think. And then I went to do something else, which I love doing, which is working in gastronomy because I love food. Um, so then I just worked in a lot of restaurants and cafes and bars and, and I loved it, but, um, at some point it wasn't enough for me because I'm one of those people who is very 
opinionated. And once that initial kind of excitement mellows down, you see all the flaws and all the things that you want to improve in your workplace. And even though I really appreciated all of my previous employ- employers, they, they didn't want to hear any of my recommendations or suggestions. And that really broke my heart because I really wanted to help and I really wanted to improve things wherever I was. And I got really bad feedback about me being too opinionated. And I think some of them actually called me aggressive at some point. Oh, um, wow. And and that's not even the worst. Um, there was one, I think my my latest employer actually gossiped on me behind my back mm. and called me bipolar. Yes, that I know. It's shocking. Okay. Shocking, right? <laughs> um, which was the moment, I mean, after I heard this, I actually, that, that was the moment where, when I decided to quit that mm-hmm. job um, and start looking for something else. And right about that time, I also decided that I wanted to get back to writing and doing something that I love and using my brain rather than my body to earn my living and also make a better living because working in gastronomy is not something that you can get rich out of Mm -hmm. unless you own something extremely successful. Um, So then, yeah, I just decided to open my business and slowly but surely I kind of I was trying to find my voice and I realized that in order for me to find my voice, I have to untangle a lot of trauma related to my army service as a journalist. Once I actually dealt with my trauma and could live with it or manage it in constructive ways, I realized that the copy that I write for others, the stories that I want to tell have to be aligned with my own values and whoever I'm writing it to as well. So then I got to email copywriting, which is even more niche uh, than copywriting, general copywriting, because I realized that writing stories and telling stories through emails is the most effective way um, to do that. And then I decided to call myself an ethical email copywriter and strategist because I realized that I will only write copy or suggest strategies that I align with myself that are sensitive and vulnerable even and open and transparent to whoever is going to read those emails at the end of the day. So yeah, that's my story, my very long story in a nutshell. Well, I love what I'm seeing trends that are kind of like pulling through regardless of what point of the story you're talking about. Um, and what I love is this desire to improve. It seems like it was kind of there all along. And now you're really taking that to heart and doing that in the copywriting space to say, how can we do this differently so that it, that copywriting is a tool that positively impacts the writer and the reader of that copy. And I don't know that we have always thought about that along the way. And so my experience as a business owner is when you're a one person show, it's, it's hard to think about the bigger picture, right? It's hard to think in every single aspect of email and website and social media and video and audio, how is, how are the words that I'm saying impacting the person who is receiving those words? 
So what would you recommend to somebody who maybe doesn't, who hasn't considered this angle yet in their business or has considered it, but is like, who I've already made so many mistakes. I don't know what to do, or I don't know how to fix it. You know, what, what's the next step once you're aware of the words that you're saying or writing uh, to, to really make the change into this ethical copywriting space? Well, first and foremost, I love how you mentioned the mistakes part, because I think mistakes are wonderful and I choose to look at them or interact with them in a way where it's yet again constructive because no one started successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you never start at a high point unless you're incredibly lucky in everything aligns and the stars and everything. So please do fail. (laughs) That would be my uh, first recommendation in general. But then when it comes to ethical marketing, yeah, the words that you're saying, the words that you're putting out there matter. And well, I'm, I'm thinking as both a copywriter and a strategist, and I'm thinking you have to base whatever it is that you're saying on research. And that's something that I'm doing all the time myself, even for my own business, but obviously also for my clients as well. Everything that we're saying has has to resonate with whoever is reading it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just base it on research. There's a lot to uncover and unveil through the voice of your customer. And that's actually a phrase that, uh, or a method that we're using in the copywriting space, which is voice of customer research. Another thing to keep in mind is the fact that your copy has to align with who you are as a person and you have to lead with both intuition and value, which is something that I am always, always for. Then again, it's such a great tool to basically ask your audience or subscribers or whoever it is that is reading your copy, what is it that they would like? And also think think of your ideal client or your, your reader on the other end and ask yourself, is that something that I would like to read myself? Could it be that this email is too long? Can I actually shorten it by 10, 20% and get to the point faster? Does my reader like long form or are they most straight to the punch? So think of whoever it is that is beyond the receiving end, lead with intuition and value. And I think that's a very good start to actually craft your copy that way. Definitely. There are so many things that you just said that I want to dig into. So I'm trying to prioritize them. Um, The thing that stands out the most is this idea of quality versus quantity. And I don't know. I feel like I talk about TikTok on every single episode of probably bothered at this point, but I'm a huge fan of TikTok. And one of the things that I think is really damaging about TikTok is this idea that you always have to do more. If you look at any of the experts on TikTok, they say post 10 times a day when you first get started and then post three times a day once you like have finally built your audience. And one of the things that I've noticed is when you're doing that much that quickly, there's not really a way to be intentional about it. And so there's there's sort of this pushback of, you know, this quality versus quantity argument. And so I think that it's important to remember in your business that when you kind of fall into the the quantity side of things, 
it's always a representation of you. And you don't know how many times someone is seeing that piece of content or that email. And maybe it's the first and only email they ever see from you. And then they hit unsubscribe so fast because you've pumped out 20 emails in a day and hadn't really thought about the implications of what you were saying or what you were doing. So do you see a lot of your clients in this space kind of making that mistake before they start working with you? And what's your experience with the quality versus quantity side of things? I really, really love this question too. I mean, all of your questions are spot on. Thank Um, you. (laughs) I love this question because I find that a lot of business owners are really having trouble with that, especially with um, how bombarded we all are by everyone and everything and every social media we're on and our inboxes are full and we all have this concept in mind that we have to create more to please whatever it is, mm-hmm. either an algorithm or our readers or followers more. And I don't think that's the right approach actually whatsoever. The only consistency that I always suggest is the one with value. So when it comes to quantity versus quality, yes, be consistent, but only if this consistency has to do with value. So I don't care if you show up in my own inbox twice a month, but whenever I do see your name, I want to be excited or excited enough to both open your email and click on links or reply or do something to do with whatever it is that you sent me. So I don't think that you need to send more emails. I think you need to send better emails. I think that is like the mic drop moment (laughs) of this episode because it's so hard sometimes when you see what other business owners are doing or other people in this space and you forget that, you know, not everyone is blessed to have a you on their team, right? You know, some people are doing this and they're doing every aspect of their business. So When you see somebody who's able to produce a weekly email or a daily email or 10 videos a day, you you forget that they might have a team behind them, or maybe that's their only channel. And maybe you're spread out on five different channels. So there's so much that goes into the decisions that people make about their own business. And just because we follow someone in one place doesn't mean that that is their emphasis or it might be their only emphasis or it might be the place that they have help in their business. So being consistent where you can impart value is is such such a needed thing that I feel like we're not talking about enough. And I feel that another thing that we should keep in mind is the fact that life is not only about work. Yeah. Obviously, I mean maybe we're on one channel, maybe we're on five channels, but Life has to happen regardless of our marketing and outside of our own businesses. And I struggle with it myself here, full transparency, what I stand for. Mm -hmm. Um, I also struggle with work-life balance, but I think it's a great reminder to have (laughs) that what you're trying to put out there is not the only thing going on for you and you have a full life. Mm -hmm. There is full life to be lived out there as well. And we have to put some boundaries sometimes and think, you know, success is only what we define 
And we don't have to be, we don't have to replicate someone else's success to actually be successful. So whether it's in your copywriting or your strategy or how you manage your own business, you know, that's a bigger, more philosophical kind of question. It's not only that. I mean, our businesses, as much as we love them and we hold them near and dear to our hearts, they're not everything. And we have to remember that too. Yeah. You guys can't see me, but I am smiling so big right now because my favorite conversation is about redefining success and common versions of success. So I love that you you just pointed this out because there's always the bigger picture and everyone approaches that bigger picture differently. Uh, so I want to dig into this conversation, but I also want to stay focused. So I'm going to rewind a little bit because I was just thinking to myself, this is the background of how my brain works. So you can keep up with how I got to this question. I was just thinking to myself, if I were listening to this episode, what would I want to know? And the the number one thing that I would want to know is about selling and the ethical implications of selling with copywriting. And there's so much out there about sales psychology and how to get people to purchase now and how to, how to get them to make an emotional decision so that they don't logically think that maybe they don't have $10,000 to spend on your offer and they just press buy and figure it out later. So that that's, those are obviously extreme examples, but you know, hyperbole is it's, it's what we're going for. So I would love to know from your perspective, if we circle back to ethical copywriting and particularly copywriting that sells, how do you approach sales through email or any other channel so that it it doesn't feel like a psychological trick or a manipulation, but but rather like a, a relationship of equals? I think we have to approach this question from both sides of the stick, right? So whoever is writing this or whoever is presenting this copy. So the business owner Mm -hmm. and the prospective client. Let's talk first and foremost about business owner. When you sell something out there, especially when all the possible markets, online markets are so very saturated nowadays, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to put something out there that you hit publish on and you can sleep well at night because actually running a business is damn complicated. And if you're putting something out there that you poured your heart and soul into, and eventually hitting publish is not going to let you sleep well at night, what's the point? (laughs) So that's first and foremost. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to your prospective clients, I think long gone are the days when people are coerced to buy something or threatened or fear get something. I think it's a very outdated approach. And I also think that whoever is making such a decision based on scarcity, false scarcity, I should mention, Mm -hmm. and FOMO and, you know, deprecating copy is not going to be happy with their decision either way. So then they might either cancel or they're not going to stick to the decision that they made in purchasing your offer. And it could be that they're not going to follow your course and they're not going to see any kind of results as well. So then it's a lose-lose situation as far as I'm concerned. So why not stick to something that you can 
publish safely or feeling safe about publishing, as well as putting something out there that's sensitive, that's, that is seeing and hearing and feeling your clients. Because eventually that's, that's what you w- want to make them feel. Good copywriting is all about making your clients feel seen, heard, and listened to. And if you're not doing this, I think you're losing. That's such an interesting response because we often think about what we have to gain based on our decisions as business owners, but we don't think about the opportunity cost, right? What we're losing as a result of that decision. And when you put it into that perspective, it's so obvious the choice that we should be making. And now... Oh my gosh, now we're going philosophical again because <laughs> in my brain, I'm just thinking this is the question. I know some people like to, you know, as a result of what they're observing in this space, like to ask, you know, who is gaining from this. But I think as a business owner, if we stop and ask ourselves more often, what am I losing as a result of this decision? We might start making different choices rather often. I agree. But from, you know, the ethical point of view, I want to rephrase this question and say, are you, are you gently are we... correcting me to be more ethical? <laughs> what what <are> we... we... <laughs> no, that's not my purpose. But, but no, what I want to see is what I want to say is um, not what we're losing, but what, how can we gain even more? So okay. let's, let's twist or let's shift the perspective and talk about how we can gain even more and not in terms of money or mm-hmm. sales or conversions, or however you want to call it, but in terms of your mental health Mm -hmm. and your quality of sleep and your quality of life and your conviction, what it is that you're doing and what it is that you want to put out there in the world. So, and I also like that you can take that perspective from what are we gaining for ourselves outside of money, but also gaining more aligned clients, gaining clients who really need the thing that we're offering, gaining clients that we can actually help make a difference and a bigger impact in their business based on whatever the offer is that we're selling. So that was a great shift. Thank you for gently correcting me. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime. Mm -hmm. So now uh, this is, this is my favorite question to ask in, in every single episode, but I would love to know what bothers you. What would you like to see change in this space and what can we do better and differently? The one thing that bothers me the most, I think, nowadays is what is called bro marketing. Mm -hmm. And we touched a little on what bro marketing is, basically, um, with the FOMO and shame and guilt driven copy. So that's something that bro marketing is doing quite a lot. Um, But also, it, it has to do with the quantity over quality, which they tend to do, and glorifying the person behind the list and idolizing them and all that kind of thing. And I think that thankfully that is shifting because people are tired of all those sleazy tactics. That's first and foremost. And second of all, people are more captured by a good story. So I think that storytelling is one of the main three pillars of ethical marketing. The other ones are consent and transparency. And thankfully I'm seeing a shift in that entire space 
where people or business owners are actually utilizing storytelling into their copy and that way are making more conscious ethical sales. And I love that because as a storyteller, I love reading stories of others as well. If it's written brilliantly, I might as well buy myself from whoever is writing the story. Mm-hmm. And believe me, I'm it's very hard to sell anything to me nowadays because I'm extremely critical. So if you lead with a good story and with value, you're even going to make the most critical people actually think or take action and get the sale, get the sale done. Yeah. One of the things that I personally, as a consumer, have realized in the past few months, and bro marketing is a relatively new term to me. It's something that I hadn't really heard much about until probably the past two or three months. And probably because I had been seeking out content, realizing I don't feel so good about what I'm consuming. And there has to be a different way to be a consumer, but also to be a business owner putting out content. I started noticing people talking about bro marketing. And then I started realizing as a consumer, I I hate to say it this way, but I felt that I had a personal responsibility to myself to start recognizing these things. And I think that that is step one of really shifting in this space is as consumers recognizing, realizing it, that it feels icky and frankly, unfollowing people. That's what I had to do for my mental health. If I started realizing that I didn't like the way you were talking to me, me, not directly, indirectly, I I unfollowed. And so if you're listening and you need some permission in your life, which you don't need, but this is your sign to to unfollow people that make you feel icky. And I think that that's step one. And then step two is how do we seek out people who are doing this differently, right? How do we have, because what I experienced, this is my story. My story is I felt icky by bro marketing. I realized what it was. I unfollowed people. And then I realized if I'm not using bro marketing in my business, which is what I had been trained to do for the past few years that I had a business, what else do I do? So then I had to start seeking out people who were doing this differently, who are using storytelling and making me feel empowered by their content and not the other way around. So if this episode is kind of opening your eyes to all of this bro marketing and ethical copywriting, and this isn't something that you've heard before, um, how, how do you recognize kind of, I guess, content that feels ethical and how do you find those people that are starting to shift into the more positive ethical copywriting space? I think it all comes down to curiosity about both yourself and the people out there who are doing those things differently. And I also want to mention the fact that, um, as you said, we've all been trained to do things in a sleazy, Mm so-called effective way. Um, And what's ethical for one business may not be as ethical for the other, which is something that I think we all have to keep in mind. Um, Some tactics that one ethical actually business Mm -hmm. might use may not align with another business owner because because that's not aligning with who they are and that's completely fine i think we need to find a lot of compassion or to seek compassion as well 
And to remember that we might fall into those old sleazy patterns. And that happens in the beginning, believe me. But when you are curious about the options out there, when you're curious about how you feel, when you're curious about how your customers feel about what you put out there, then that's the the ground from which you can kind of grow and build upon. Yeah, just, just be curious. See how you feel. Ask yourself, tune in. Ask your clients, ask your audience as well. I think as long as you're curious and asking yourself, maybe not every step of the way, because let's let's be honest, <laughs> we have businesses to run. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're staying curious and open and somewhat judgmental, but in a positive way, then you can achieve great things. And there's nothing wrong about testing things out and tweaking things out as well. Even the most amazing marketing strategies, they can fail. Mm -hmm. And those things happen out there and they happen all the time. It's not about your failures, but what you can learn from them. Yeah. So one of the things, and I hate, I feel like I'm going to take this into what bothers me a little bit, but uh, one of the things that I have noticed is this prevalence of cancel culture that is everywhere. And we've talked from the beginning of the episode, you talked about making mistakes and uh, you said, please fail. I write, I write down notes. I have to, or else I (laughs) lose my train of thought, but you, you said it, you know, it's great to fail. It's a good thing to fail. It's what you learn from failure that matters. And I think that is one of the things that as a business owner, I have been so afraid to fail because I didn't want to be canceled. People are rough. People are rough out there these days. So I think it's only been really since I started this podcast where I have felt that the confidence to share my opinions, but also I think it's been honestly a blessing in disguise to have long form content because this is where you can see the evolution of these thoughts and ideas and if we took a sh- like a short form piece of content and said, please say the wrong things, please fail, people would be all over that, right? But mm-hmm. since we've had this conversation and we've had 30 minutes of time to build to this end part where we say cancel culture is awful and humans make mistakes and it's okay and it's how they, of course within boundaries, if you're, right. if you're offending somebody or, you know, there's always the caveat, but but it's okay to, to do something that's a little bit wrong that makes someone think, mm, I don't know if I like the way you said that. And you also realize that and do better next time. That's okay. And that's expected. And that's part of the process. And I think, frankly, long form content has given me the ability to try that way more than any short form content has. Yeah. And also, I I want you to remember that as a small business owner who's maybe just starting out, I don't know, that's that's actually a thought that grounds me um, every once in a while. But um, I do like reminding myself that I'm small and insignificant to the extent that I'm allowed to make mistakes Mm -hmm. and no one is going to care. (laughs) And that's completely fine. And I'm all I'm always going to build up towards something better eventually. And I'm always going to learn from my mistakes. And it's interesting that you're saying long form, because obviously I love telling stories in a long form, but 
I think it's important to keep uh, an open communication line with your audience mm -hmm. and see how they respond to whatever it is that you find, yeah, the most beneficial for you. So I love that you tell your stories in long form, but I would also uh, encourage you <laughs> lightly mm -hmm. and gently to ask your audience, what do they think about it? And we're all used to short form nowadays yeah. either way. I love pushing the envelope a little further with copywriting, with ethical copywriting. But we have to remember that it's it's like a dance, mm -hmm. a very close one as well. We have to respond to whoever it is that we're leading. So I encourage you to keep on doing the long form. <laughs> and... Yeah, learning more about your audience as you go. Well, audience, this is me asking you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but in all seriousness, I think all of my listeners know that I welcome and encourage any con uh, communication of these episodes. So uh, I do this call to action normally at the end of episodes as well. But I would love to hear y'all's opinions on everything that we've talked about from bro marketing to cancel culture to making mistakes and ethical copywriting. Um, but I think this is a good place to also tell the audience where they can find you. And if you have any freebies or anything like that, that you want to plug, please go ahead. Sure. Um, so I would definitely love to have you on my email list because that's where I practice what I preach, or at least I try to. And when I don't practice what I preach, I'm fully transparent about that, um, which is also a good thing to keep in mind. So you can join at ackermancopywriting.com forward slash subscribe. Very easy. And yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram, which I'm trying not to be too much on, to be honest, because I'm not a very visual person, but I'm experimenting there. So you can hang out with me um, on Instagram at ackermancopywriting. Same as well on Facebook. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. Perfect. And if you guys were wondering along with me earlier in the episode when I said, how do you find people who are practicing this? I, I feel like you all's email list is the perfect place to <laughs> find somebody who is practicing this. So um, I will definitely include that in the episode notes. And thank you so much for coming on Probably Bothered and sharing your expertise and your thoughts with us. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. This is one of those conversations that helped me continue to learn and shift my perspective all about the words that I'm saying and the content that I am putting out in this space and how I can do better and continue to improve in the future because we are in this space of more, more, more. And sometimes that means that we think less. So I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Yuval as much as I did. And as always, all of her links are in the show notes. I am 100% getting on her email list so that I can see ethical copywriting in action. And I highly suggest that you do too. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. As always, if you resonated with this conversation, if you would like to pass it along to a friend, I would be endlessly grateful. And if you want to subscribe or leave a review as well, that would make my day. It would make my week if we're being honest until next week. 
this was probably bothered. 